I have a quick announcement before we begin this episode. I am doing the first ever The Inspiring Talk live event where I'll be interviewing a very special guest in front of live audience. This is happening on 21st of August in Mumbai and it's totally free to attend. Find the details at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash live. That is theinspiringtalk.com forward slash live. I'll see you in Mumbai. I went inside. I just couldn't breathe. I started flipping my legs. I started doing something with my hands. I was not aware what I was doing. But suddenly with all this, I came up. I came to the side of the pool and with a lot of anger in my eyes, I looked at my father that how dare you could do something like this. This is episode number 68 of The Inspiring Talk with Anand Mehta. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. My guest today is a dear friend of mine, Anand Mehta. Anand is a passionate entrepreneur and a facilitative trainer. Anand had started his enterprise of branded handicrafts when he entered second year of MBA. Established chain of retail showrooms on designer puja wear and articles and now he is successful facilitative trainer. He has trained more than 150 companies, conducted more than 800 workshops and have touched the lives of over 40,000 people. He was awarded as Business Tycoon of the Year by Indian Education Society. I have known Anand for over three years now, and I must admit, I have learned a lot from him about training, conducting workshops, and facilitation. You will find him high on energy, radiating amazing positive vibe wherever he goes. On this episode, Anand talks about starting his first business venture during his MBA, running business on autopilot, very important lesson he has learned from his father and a lot more. Before we jump in, make sure to subscribe to the Inspiring Talk podcast wherever you are listening from so that you won't miss upcoming episodes with some of the most amazing guests that I bring on this show. Now, Let's dive in. All right, guys, we have got Anand Mehta with me here today. Anand, welcome to the show. Thank you, Vijay. Thank you very much. So, Anand, uh, we have met for the first time back in 2016, I believe, um, when I was still in job and part of the training program where you were co-trainer. And after that, our bond and uh, uh, the work that we have done together has only become stronger and stronger over the period of time. And I must say, I have learned a ton from you and uh, the way you train people, you know, especially when you are doing outbound trainings. I'm a big fan of uh, the kind of work that you are doing. So uh, thank you so much for making this time. Uh, and it's been pending for a while now. So finally, got a chance to get hold of you. Uh, so you, you are traveling all across the country, doing training and workshop. 
थैंक यू वेरी विजय इट्स आई थिंक इट्स इट्स ग्रेट फॉर मी टू बी हेयर विथ यू ऑन दिस पॉडकास्ट एंड आई एम वेरी एक्साइटेड टू बी अ पार्ट ऑफ दिस पॉडकास्ट प्राइमरीली दिस इज द फर्स्ट पॉडकास्ट आई एम डूइंग एंड वॉट बेटर दैन द विजय गौतम सो आई एम रियली एक्साइटेड टू बी अ पार्ट ऑफ दिस ऑसम सो Anand, I think uh, the good place to start this conversation uh, would be by talking about your upbringing, and uh, you know, your your own entrepreneurial journey is quite fascinating. The things that you have done in MBA college, and um, and you know, the the trajectory of the career that you have taken after that, which is pretty interesting. So, I think why don't you just uh, go ahead and tell a bit about um, what was your family background like, and how was it growing up like for you? it was a great journey i would say that lot of uh, whatever whatever i am today is primarily because of my parents and the kind of environment they were able to create but let me begin my entrepreneurial journey uh, let me share that uh, with respect to the mba so i did my engineering and then i was doing my mba and the moment you are out of your mba as a gujarati you'll be pushed into matrimonial market <laughs> and you know it was all happening you know i could feel that uh, when i was doing my mba i thought now because you are always passionate about your own enterprise you are so eager to start your own business but because you are also doing mba you just can't start a business because you have been taught theoretically by your wonderful professors that before starting up your own business you must do market research you must do marketing research and there are so many things which you must do now what i thought to myself that if i am out of mba and then if i start doing all this research in the matrimonial market the society what we belong to will not accept because my father can't tell the girl's father that the guy is doing research on what business to do chokro research kare che ke dhandho su karvo so i thought what best i can do i am doing my education i am in my mba let me start doing research along with my studies and i was so fortunate that i was able to do research on especially into the industry research and bring it down to three most important industry which i thought has tremendous potential in the next future and thought about then opening up my own business so that at the end of the mba when everyone was looking at a job through the placement cell in the college i went to my director and i told him with great pride that you don't have to search a job for me because i am on my own i was able to establish my company by that time and i think at that point in time that was my biggest achievement which i could achieve Absolutely. So I will come to um, you know the the entrepreneurial journey or the path that you have taken in a moment. But uh, so, what did your parent do, and what was your family background like? Um, uh, were there any entrepreneurs on your family, or what, what was that uh, like? So my dad is a first generation entrepreneur. My grandfather was a doctor, and he was so humble that he thought of going to uh, a small village, a native place, and offer his services to people who had no who had no access to medical. treatments and he was the first mbbs doctor in our native place my dad did his engineering and then he uh, got married to my mom and he settled to bombay and they started their own business of air conditioning now when and i say that a lot of things which i am able to do now i was able to think about and reflect about my past and i see a lot of connection let me share one experience now because sure i am you know right now into the training of experiential learning i thought I was looking at myself and looking at what made me do this and it brings me to when I was in third standard my dad me and my sister both of us are twins and my dad took both of us to the swimming pool as a kid we were seeing the swimming pool for the first time and we were so excited 
we were so thrilled we were also in some kind of fear because you see so much of water in your life for the first time so he first took us to a place which was 2 feet deep then he took us to a place which was then 12 feet and then finally took us to a place which was 24 feet deep in the swimming pool and then we were wondering that now he will take us back to the 2 feet feet uh, deep and he will probably ask us to jump there at that point in time with both his hands he picked up me and my sister and just threw us in the 24 deep water i was shocked that's crazy i went inside i just couldn't breathe i started flipping my legs i started doing something with my hands i was not aware what i was doing but suddenly with all this i came up i came in the side of the pool and with lot of anger in my eyes i looked at my father that how dare you could do something like this and i was going to ask him what made you do this and he just asked me one question with great calm and composedness anand you don't know swimming right i said yeah i don't know swimming and then he asked me then why didn't you drown aap doobe kyun nahi and a question came to my mind that yes i didn't sink inside the water and then he told me now come what may happen you will always be able to swim you will never sink in the water i think that was so powerful because you have learned the whole art of swimming you have learned your confidence over water through your first experience and i think um, that's a very powerful thing not only about um, you know swimming and going in a pool but how has that experience possibly might have saved you in terms of overcoming your fears or taking on the challenges that come uh, in your life absolutely it makes you more confident in taking risks it gives you attitude that come what may be the situation you will still be able to sail through it also gives you tremendous amount of encouragement that however situation may worsen you still can find a way out just be with yourself keep asking question to yourself how better and how much more can you contribute and you will find your way out i think these smaller incidences brings you to what you are today i would say that that possibly the incident which made me realize the power of experiential learning and today when i project myself and i go around and do experiential education all these small small thing really becomes more handy in me executing and giving experience to my participants from students to corporates to ceos to senior management to professors to teachers wherever i address to interesting so i remember um you know the best selling author of the book uh, the habit of uh, leadership and uh, and you know the habit of winning prakash ayer saying um they had hired somebody to drop him to school and bring him back from school every single day and but his dad made him carry his bag by himself he did not allow that guy who took him to and fro to school to carry his bag so that was his dad's way of telling him that you have to take responsibility for your own life so i think and this this uh, you know story of yours also uh, is a very powerful one to teach the lesson so if you look back and the values that you have in your life currently and if you look back at the upbringing that your parents has given to you what are some of the values that your parents uh, might have you know what what are some of those values that you might have picked up from your parent uh, surely vijay i am very happy you are actually taking me to you know memory lane and this brings me to a wonderful experience so i was doing my diploma before i did my engineering and uh, in a diploma college we used to have a huge annual day 
where around 3,000 people used to visit. And each time, opportunity to compare and do the master of ceremony was given to engineering students because they were obviously senior, more mature, more value they had. I was fortunate enough to have a wonderful principal of my college who insisted, the whole management, that Anand is really talented and he can handle the whole show in a great way. Incidentally, I was also the cultural secretary of the college. And he said, this time we must give opportunity to our diploma students. And I then got the opportunity. There was multiple rounds of trial and all that, but I got the opportunity. And I was thoroughly excited. Now, as a cultural secretary, you are the one who are the organizer. As a master of ceremony, you are handling the whole event on your shoulder. And to be very honest, it was one of the best annual day ever seen in the college. Now, after the annual day, all the faculties and few team members, committee members celebrate through a dinner. I had stopped drinking thumbs up and I was very fond of thumbs up at that point in time from last one week to ensure that my throat is nice when I speak on the, on the mic. After the whole event got over, I was dying to go to that event because I knew everyone will appreciate me in a great way because I did a great job. My mom and dad who was also part of the event. End of the event, they told me, Anand, what about all of us going out for dinner and we will allow you to drink thumbs up. I said, ah, it's a good idea. Let me go with them. And I missed that celebration party. After so many years, I realized the reason why they didn't allow me or they, they took me smartly with them over dinner and then allow me to go to the party because they thought if this guy goes to the party, he would feel on the sky and his ego wow. would be boosted so much. It will be difficult for him to remain humble. He had a responsibility. He delivered the responsibility. Now is the time for him to remain grounded and humble. And I was not been allowed to go to the party. I think that wow. made me what, what I am today. That whatever amount of success you achieve in your life, it should never, never get into your head. I think that's, that's again a very, very powerful example, uh, Anand. And when I interact with you and you are always on the move, traveling different cities and hopping from plane to plane, um and and you know i always see you uh you know being grounded and being humble for you know all these achievements that you have achieved in your life so now talking about after you you got into college and um, you have started training while you were you were still in college so t tell us about like that transition uh, or how did that whole idea and whole training thing happen <laughs> So I was in my business and I always, when I started my business, when I was in second year of MBA, as I mentioned, I always had thought that in my business, within two years, I should be able to reach out to a level where I have a switch or a button in my office, which says auto run or autopilot. You press the button, your team takes over and you move out. Unfortunately, it took me three years, not two years to mm -hmm. reach out to that level where I am able to press the button and my team will take over. As an entrepreneur, I think it's very, very important to realize that you are an entrepreneur and you are not 24 by 7 worker. It's very important to understand that you are a leader and as an entrepreneur, you are a visionary. You have a vision, you have an idea. You have to have team which will take your idea to the next level and you move to even bigger level. So you have one idea, you plan the whole idea, you get into execution. Once you think now that everything is on its own, you should move out of that idea and think about a better idea, bigger idea and keep growing like this. Whatever you are doing today, if you do the same thing tomorrow, you are not growing. So you must do something new today. Hand it over that with systems, with processes to your team and start going towards the new idea 
where the next growth lies. So when I did research, I was able to find out three industries which I thought had tremendous potential. Number one, education industry. At that point in time, long back in 2002. Number two is the food industry and number three is home decor. Now education industry demands for a huge investment which I was not prepared for. Food industry, I was, yes, very happy to eat but not interested in the food as a business. <laughs> And third was home decor. I thought this is something which is very interesting because I myself is a very creative person. And I thought here two things will happen. I will be able to use my creativity. Number two, I will also be able to get a lot of new stuff which will be able to reach, take me to the next level. And we were able to create a new concept which is handicraft. Now, why it is new and different? Because we were able to create branded handicrafts. So if you look at the handicraft industry, either the handicrafts are famous by the origin, whether it's Rajasthani handicraft or a UP-based handicraft or an, a South handicraft or by the material use, whether it's a marble handicraft or a wooden handicraft, I thought of that as an MBA, you always have a great inclination towards brand. Can I create a brand in handicrafts? And we were able to do a lot of research and able to design a product which was handcrafted. It comes in the category of handicraft which was branded because we had research, everything we also did. We were the first one to go to the market and do the trademark of our branded handicraft. And I was, I still remember my first day when I went with my product to a couple of retailers to make them see my product. I was below my belt. I was shivering. Why? Because the first time you are going out with your product to sell, you had had no experience and you have no idea what will be the response of those people? I still remember how I could manage that journey. And I still remember the first call, which I got after seven days of my first piece, which I had given to a retailer as a demo piece, as a sample piece. You please keep this piece in your showroom. And if you get some inquiry, please let us know. On the seventh day, I got a call, which was the first call which I received that the piece which you have given to us is now sold. Can you please deliver two, deliver two pieces? And you know, at that point in time, I was actually searching for corrugated boxes where I could deliver. Mm. So that's a journey and that's a very humble journey. And today when I say that we have been able to sell more than a lakh piece of a handicraft what we have manufactured. Wow. We are able to reach out to more than 35 cities all over India where we do existing business. We are able to reach out to so many people who have benefited from our research product. And now coming back to us, you feel extremely happy and proud. One of the things that you have said, uh, you know, earlier in this conversation about as an entrepreneur it's your responsibility is to think have that idea build the team systems and then move out of the execution and think of ways to take that business to another level and uh, i have had rajiv talreza on my podcast and he talks a lot about that as well so share a few things that has worked for you or that you have realized over a period of time about building a team and system that can help your business run on autopilot. So what are some of those uh, strategies or some of the lessons that you have learned along the way? So in terms of processes, in terms of systems, I think plethora of knowledge available in the market. What I would like to work on and share is a soft part of the whole thing. So when I say that you need to move out of that idea, give it to your team and move out, what I'm trying to say that once you had the idea and you start implementing, that becomes your comfort zone. It's very important as an entrepreneur for you to break your comfort zone. So true. Move to the next zone, which is not very comfortable, 
go to uncomfort zone and create that zone as your next comfort zone and keep repeating the same stuff. Now, when I say this, how will you repeat? The most important part of doing this is trusting your team, building your team and trusting your team. A lot of people say that you must build your team, but without trust, you will never be able to build and you must talk the walk. You must ensure that each time you have a dream, it should become the dream of the whole team. Sense of ownership plays a very, very big role in creating that where every team member of yours feels this is my job. If you open up the old textbooks, uh, you know, where you open up the textbook, the first thing it says pledge. And the first line is India is my country. It never says India is our country. And I think that's a very strong, powerful message. Why it says my country? Because everything which is happening in my country, I am responsible. I must take the ownership of my country. I don't need to be prime minister to own the country. If I see something wrong happening, I can take action because this is my country. The same way in your team, you must be able to instill this great sense of ownership in every member of your team member so that when the morning they get up in their house, they must feel going to the office as soon as possible. They are coming because they enjoy their work. They are coming because they own their work. They are coming because they really want to deliver from the core of their heart. And believe me, so many times you will realize that people are able to do much more only when they have sense of ownership and you start trusting. There was a case where we got a huge order of a handicraft and I did all my calculation and I never find a way out to reach out to manufacture that huge order. I was wondering that I'm not able to find a way out. How will I commit to my customer because they wanted it to be delivered on a certain date? So I scribbled something on my notepad and then I called up my production manager. She entered my cabin. The moment she entered, I did a small acting. I flipped that paper as if I'm hiding it from her. And I asked her that, hey, my plan is ready. That we have this much of piece of order to be delivered. This is a deadline. My plan is ready. But hearts in hearts, I knew it was not ready. I was not able to make it. I said, now I don't want to give you the plan because I want to empower you. I trust you. Can you please create a plan by which we should be able to deliver these many pieces on that day? She was challenged, but she took the ownership. She went out and she said, give me some time. I'll get back to you. Within two hours, she came back with the detailed plan of how they will manufacture. The whole production team will manufacture and they were able to deliver. Now here, something which I was not able to do, they could do it primarily for two reasons. Number one, I was able to trust them completely. Number two, they had faith that if our boss, our owner is trusting us, we must exhibit a great sense of ownership and with great pride, we were able to deliver on time. I think these incidences brings you and builds you what you are today. Um, so Ananda, you know, you, asked, you have started your company while you were doing your MBA and um your own business is very successful. But then you got fascinated by training and facilitation. So how, you know, one of the stories that you have definitely uh, said earlier in this episode about your dad making you or throwing you on the <laughs> swimming pool. And uh, that, that's when you real, realize the power of uh, learning by doing, which is the, um, you know, the whole experiential learning uh, is all about. So uh, tell us a little bit about that moment when you realized that you wanted to jump into training or want to teach people, how, how did that realization come about? I think it's all about that continuously 
you are learning in your life. So before I share about how did I got into training, let me share a small real life incident. So I was traveling from Ahmedabad to Bombay by a train and you were supposed to reach Bombay at 6 in the morning. I got up at the 6 in the morning and I was wondering, I was not able to see local trains because the moment your train enters Mumbai, you see local trains. And I realized that we were somewhere near Miyagam Karjan, which is a station very near to Vadodara. That means we were around four, four and a half hours away from Bombay. I said, it's six. And why we are stuck here? And we realized that there were 14 trains back to back stuck because two trains ahead of us had catch a fire and the whole line is stuck. And we were at that point from last three hours because in sleep, I didn't realize. I saw people all heading towards the engine and a lot of people were heading towards the engine. So I also joined the bandwagon and went towards the engine and I saw a farmer with a big knife in his hand. He was giving sugar cane to all the passengers. On both sides of the tracks, I saw sugar cane farms. And he was cutting those sugar canes, bringing as much as he could bring in one set and was giving it to all the passengers. I went there. I offered him some money. A lot of people also offered him some money. You know, what did he say? He said, today you are in the middle of my farm. And I am going to treat every one of you as my guest. When will I have such wonderful guests coming to my place? I have nothing to share except this sugar cane, you know, which is my in my farm. Whatever I can give to you, I would be very happy to give. I was really touched. A farmer of a country can give you without any condition. He would have made big money on that day because everyone was looking out for something to eat, something to drink. And he was able to offer everything, whatever he had, that shows the power of giving. I also realized that when you want to give, you feel like giving more and more. In the return, you get more. So, as a good citizen of the country, you, you feel like stopping your car at the, at the place where you see some passengers or some people standing at the corner of the road trying to cross the road. Generally, in India, you don't see people stopping the car. But somewhere I felt that let me stop the car so I can help people cross over the road. But recently, you know, when I started doing this, I realized that I am doing this not for that pedestrian to cross the road. Because when you stop the car and when they are crossing the road, they will look at you. Because they also feel surprised. Hey, someone stopped the car for us. They look at you. They do thumbs up. They smile at you. They say thank you. And that small gestures by an absolute stranger's gives you tremendous amount of happiness. So even though you wanted to give something to them, in return, you have got back in abundance. That small moment of happiness, the small exchange of smile can really has the potential to make your day. And I think that's where the whole journey of training started, where in a very, very informal interaction with one of, with the college director where I did my MBA, I shared with him that these students are going through so many hours of bhashan, the lectures with their guru, which is very, very important in the college life. Can we do something more? And he was so proactive and he was so kind enough to tell me, Anand, I strongly agree with you, but I don't know this something. I want to give you two days, come back to me with an idea. And I went back to him that why can't we make them learn through their experience? By making them do activities, by making them ensure that they are learning by doing and creating the whole concept of human lab. And I think that was a very humble beginning. And I, I was able to do one session in one of the classrooms for an MBA students. And suddenly that one session of three hour, what I did with students became the talk of the whole college. 
the next director called me hey anand what did you do what did you do yesterday and i was wondering what mistake did i made and he said everyone is talking about the session i want you to come back and do more sessions and then i was able to create the whole of the one year module for mba colleges which i then branded as corporate kabaddi so what do you mean by corporate kabaddi you know basically whatever they are learning in their theoretical classes which is so important here they get opportunity to implement that learning in a real life because i strongly believe strongly believe knowledge is not power application of knowledge is power and when you put this knowledge in a practical applied way it becomes useful to you so whatever they are learning in their theoretical class if we are able to create opportunity where they can come back and apply that makes them what they are and why corporate kabaddi because we are preparing them for the corporate world and corporate world and kabaddi is a game have a lot of similarities in both the places you are playing to fight you are playing to win in kabaddi to win in corporate world to make profits at both the places you will have to work in teams at both the places you have to show your leadership quality aur kabhi kabhi tang bhi khinchni padegi so there are a lot of similarity again kabaddi is a national game and all of us love kabaddi i thought let me combine these two so that we are able to prepare them in a great way for the journey which they are going to have ahead as a corporate executives i'm a big fan of you uh, in terms of you know uh, training and uh, and and conducting workshops and outbound skill is your expertise in um, you know experiential learning that we were talking about what about experiential learning fascinates you and why you you have chosen to become a uh, experiential learning or facilitative trainer so powerpoint presentations are very effective when we have to make people learn something which is technical but when it comes to soft skills when it comes to behavioral when it comes to something which needs to come from within i would say experience makes it extremely powerful so in a lot of workshop which i do in an outbound environment which are 3 days and 4 days workshop i don't use powerpoint and this workshop starts at 6 in the morning and goes up to 11 in the night and in a very jovial way i tell people that i don't use powerpoint because our points are powerful and that that really <laughs> makes them feel wow you know that because a lot of people in the training industry feel training means powerpoint now it's very important to understand training means learning and there could be multiple methodologies by which one can learn and i strongly believe experiential learning is a very very strong way of learning because you are learning by doing and there's a process so you always start with briefing about the activity then you give some time to each team to strategize and plan then is the execution phase once the execution is happening your job as a trainer or the facilitator is to observe the behavior ensure that you are able to find out smaller smaller things what they are doing because that will help you immensely in your debriefing once the execution execution gets over then you get into reflection where every member must reflect upon and sometimes when you have a team size where everyone will not get chance to speak you make them write down now that reflection is very very important because when you ask people straight away batao kya hua what happened and how was the experience you are sure that not everyone will speak and you are not very sure whether everyone have gone through the experience within them so you must people to write down their reflection this reflection primarily should involve into what happened what didn't happen and individually what i have learned through this experience once they were able to share the experience you make them into smaller teams and ask them to share their experience share their learnings this is they are recording the learning 
This is where they are making the learning stronger because whatever was there within me has now on paper and when you share, it becomes even more concrete. And then you ask people to discuss about and give us a team learning and then you ask them to share and open up where everyone is learning from everyone. And I always tell people that what we are going to finally do in training is creation of platform, a platform where everyone feels extremely happy and eager to share what they know, eager to share and happy to share their knowledge, their expertise, their experience, their exposure, their wisdom. And when everyone starts sharing whatever they have on a single platform and everyone is allowed to pick them up, whatever they think is appropriate to them, you are creating an environment where everyone is learning from each other and not only from trainer. And that's the best thing to happen because every individual have tremendous potential to transform each other. You're only channelizing these energies so that everyone benefits through everyone. And once this process gets over, your role, because you have also did a very deep observation of each one of them, your role is to pick up this observation and because you have been able to create safe and open environment, challenge them, ask them about their behavior and relate it with their real life. You may support it with storytelling, you may support it with some real life experiences, you may support it with some amazing concepts and theories which will help them to make that learning concrete solid but what's important for you to listen to their need i strongly believe training is not about what you know you go and deliver training is all about understanding the need of your participants and fulfilling that need training and facilitation is all about making things easy the word facilitation comes from the word facility which means making things easy that's the primary role of any facilitator to ensure that you are making the learning journey easy for your learner and not giving them what they need to know. If I give them all the information what they need to know, two things will happen. Number one, they will never become the owner of the learning. Number two, they will also get a feel, we knew this from before, what you have shared. But when you take them through a journey, Sometimes it takes more time, no doubt about it, but you are ensuring that every learner becomes the owner of their learning and you are not giving them, they are discovering themselves. The journey within must begin by themselves. You are only catalyst in making that journey speedy so that your learner are able to reach down to the destination in a faster way, but it's their journey which one has to understand. So what are some of the things uh, that you do as a part of the preparation when you go for any training program or the workshops that you conduct? I think it's a very interesting question because one has to be really doing a lot of preparation. So if I have to do a three-day workshop, I think I need a three-month preparatory time. You, I do a lot of intense training need analysis in terms of understanding the need from multiple sources because each training will have multiple stakeholders. Maybe the HR head, uh, learning and development people, the participant themselves, the business head, the owners or the management, each of them are stakeholders to each training. And it's very important to understand all of them come with different expectations. It's very important to understand their expectations and design the program which will fulfill these expectations. It's also important to understand the need of the participants from where it is coming and then design the program accordingly. Also, so I go to their shop floor and stand for half an hour, half a day 
to understand the behavior. I have gone to so many meetings where, as an observer, to understand what they talk. It's very important for a trainer to speak the language of your participants and also making all of them believe that you are just one amongst them. If you go with the fear of authority, you will never be able to sail through and they will not be able to learn what more they will be able to learn through their own experiences. So as a preparatory, I do intense work with training need analysis. I meet people, I interview them. There is a pre-training questionnaire which I use. There are a lot of data which is collected and tabulated so that we are able to reach out to a very, very concrete objectives and then creating a program and then you go and deliver. One of the things that you do that I know is a part of you know preparation uh, for the training is visualization, which is a very, very powerful tool. So could you share with my listeners what is your process of visualization, not only for the training, but for the other part of the life that my listeners can implement to achieve the kind of result that they want using this technique? I think visualization is a very, very powerful technique to understand for anything. So tomorrow you may have a very important interview or you may have a meeting with a very, very high stake client where make or break situation may happen. It's very important to understand that you must be able to visualize everything, what you want should happen in that particular high stake meeting or a training or an interview. Research says the whole concept of secret, the calling that whatever comes in your mind is being thrown in the universe and it will come back to you. It's very important to keep yourself positive. It's very important to keep thinking about that in the very positive frame of mind. So what generally I do before my training or any high stake meeting, the previous night when I go to sleep, I close my eyes and visualize the whole training. I close my eyes and visualize the whole meeting. How I'm anticipating the meeting or the training should go. I would be able to see everything happening in the training room. And when you start thinking, because you already have your program design, and when you start thinking about what can go wrong, what can go right, if something goes wrong, how will you cope up to that? When something is going right, how will you make even bigger impact? You are able to visualize every possible situation. And when I say visualize, you are able to see everything. Now, next day, when you actually go and deliver that training program or you are part of that meeting, what happens? Your mind thinks, hey, you have already done this before. You are not doing it for the first time. And mind gets tremendous amount of confidence through that one thought. Because what is happening, you are able to visualize. Now, that is a gift by God to humans that we are able to visualize. What's important is to channelize these thoughts in a way that you are throwing this positive to the universe, which will come back to you. Uh, so what does the process look like uh, for you when you are visualizing? Do you see it in front of you on a big TV? Like a lot of people uh, imagining that there is this big, large uh, screen in front of them and they close their eyes and watch the every single scene happening in front of them and some of them visualize the whole thing on the mind. So what does the process look okay, like so, uh, for you? So I tell you, so if, if you are visualizing that you have won an award, okay? A lot of people, how they visualize? They visualize that they are sitting in the audience and as a part of audience, they see themselves going on the stage, receiving the award. I think that's not the right way of visualizing. What's the right way of visualizing is that you are walking yourself. You are not sitting in the audience. So you see yourself seated in the audience and when you are sitting in the audience, you see the stage. That means you are not seeing yourself, you are seeing the stage. 
Then you get up and then you walk. You see the ramp. When you go on the stage and when you are receiving the award, you see your hands receiving the award. It is not that you see your whole body as someone from the audience is seeing you. Now that's very important. That you are not seeing yourself as a third party. You are seeing yourself as a first party. That you don't see yourself when you are receiving the award. You see your hands receiving the award. You see your audience when you are doing training sharing something. You don't see yourself. It's very important to realize that you don't look up to yourself as third party. You look up to yourself as first party and keep visualizing that you are doing it yourself. It's not that someone else is doing and you are only copying or you are only inspiring. When you see yourself doing it, it makes it extremely impactful because your mind feels you have done this before. So Anand, we have uh, come to the enlightening round. Are you ready for the enlightening round? Oh yeah, please go on. I am looking forward to it. So what inspires you to do everything that you do? Passion. I think for you to achieve anything, one thing which is extremely important is your passion. Today, I am a hefty guy. I carry a lot of weight with me in real KGs. <laughs> but even though I have crazy travel, even though I have some crazy schedules, I don't feel tired. Primarily because I love what I'm doing because training is my calling. Facilitation is is something which I cannot live without. And when you have that kind of audience, whether conducive, whether interesting, whether challenging, whether boring, I don't think that there are ever any audience which is not good audience. So every individual and you start respecting them, when you, with a great flexibility, give them a great sense of ownership, things will work in your favor. A lot of people in training feel that, hey, can you please teach us how to handle tough clients, how to handle tough participants, and I always wonder, in my life, I have never ever come across any individual as a participants who are tough. Why? Because you were giving them respect, because you were making them feel extremely comfortable, non-judgmental, and then everything will work in your favor because you are there only to give and not to receive. What are some of the book or two that you have read in the recent past um, that has influenced you? Uh, I have read a lot of books on leadership, on facilitation, but one book which really made me think in a different way is Well Done by Glenn Brinchard. Now, this book talks about how a dolphin as a fish is taught vis-a-vis -vis how a donkey or a horse is being trained. So, you see, donkey or a horse, they when they're trained either to carry load or to run in the race, they've been whipped. So that when you whip them, when you hit them, they feel like, because they have been pained and tortured, they have to run. At the same point in time, how a dolphin fish has been trained. And they have been doing so much acrobatics and so many different shows which dolphins are doing. So when they do a good jump, the dolphin trainer will pat them and feed them with some fishes. And dolphin feels happy. When they don't do a good job, the trainer completely ignores the fish. And this dolphin thinks in his mind, that last time I got a pet, I was being appreciated, I got fish to eat. This time I was being ignored. And it reflects upon in mindset that, hey, because I did something good, I was appreciated. I was not able to do a good jump and they're ignoring me. That motivates you. There is tremendous power in appreciation. But we need to understand the difference between appreciation and giving just muska. So one has to understand when you do genuine appreciation, it really brings a great favor in your life. So which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your success journey? Self-talk. Each time 
when you think something, you have to ensure that everything which is part of your self-talk has to be extremely positive. When you start thinking negative, when you start thinking depression, when you start thinking which is not in your favor, nothing will happen in your favor. What's interesting, and I've always realized that in the worst of the scenario, I always look out for some positive opportunities. I always look, look out for some, some small positive thing and then you focus on that positive thing and make it bigger, make it larger. And that is the mantra. So whenever you are doing self-talk and believe me, each one of us throughout the day, we do millions and trillions of self-talk with ourselves. Is my self-talk positive? And that daily habit of talking to yourself in a super positive way has created a big impact in myself. So could you share an online tool or app that you use on a regular basis, maybe to become more productive or to keep yourself disciplined or stuff like that? So I use Keep as a tool mm -hmm. uh, because in a day you have so many ideas. I need something where I can keep writing. Uh, I also use a small diary, which I call as Bright Idea Book. Uh, where, where I keep noting down my ideas and especially to keep my team engaged, uh, I have multiple keeps uh, documents in my mobile, which I have collaborated with my team member. So whatever delegation I will do, I write in the keep so they know that this is work what they have got over and above what routine work they do and they keep doing it, they keep ticking those work and I realize that you know, that work has been done. So I don't have to call every time or write an email. I just write there and they get the notification. And that's the way, you know, because when you are in training, I avoid taking phone calls. So during my training period, I don't take phone calls, but I, all the things need to be done. And when you are doing training back to back and when you're traveling back to back, you need a solid support from your back end office in terms of content, in terms of properties, in terms of support staff, in terms of logistics. So now that will happen only when you have these tools, which helps you to do smart work. Awesome. So I have got the last question left for you. But before that, how can people reach out to you if they would like to learn more about you and learn a few things about training or maybe entrepreneurship? What's the best possible way to reach out to you? www.anandmehta.in. That's my website. And they can go to the website and send a small message. And I would be very happy to revert back. And if I can contribute to anyone's life, I think more than that person, it will be my privilege. Awesome, guys. Make sure that you reach out to Anand. And uh, I have learned a lot about training and facilitation from him. And every time he conducts program in Delhi, I love to be part of his trainings and learn from him. So here's the last question for you. Uh, since you are training a lot of people in your life, so let us imagine that you are standing on a stadium. And this one is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And it has got the capacity to hold a million of people and every single seat on that stadium is occupied and you are there on stage standing and you have been given only one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life what would be your message love yourself if you look at the announcement which is done in the aircraft when you are about to fly the safety announcement says that if there is some emergency situation, the oxygen mask will get down from top and please wear your mask before you help others. I feel that's amazing message to take home metaphorically that before I start loving others and we spend so much of time for others, loving others, contributing others life, it's very, very important to start loving yourself. 
I am not saying this means being self-centered. This means being selfish. It's all about respecting yourself in a great way. And you can respect yourself in a great way when you have good and high thoughts, when you are contributing to others' life, when you are making sure that you are disciplined. Then and then you can love yourself. Otherwise, you will keep hating yourself. You will not respecting yourself. And I feel that a state which is even above love is respect. So start loving yourself. Start respecting yourself. And once you're able to do that, you will be able to generate tremendous amount of vibrancy, tremendous amount of energy. Your aura would be much positive to the outer world. And that has a great potential to make a big difference. Thank you very much. It has been phenomenal having this conversation with you, Anand. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much. You have it there. You can access all the links and resources mentioned on this episode at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 68. That is theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 68. I hope you learned something or got some inspiration. If you did, make sure that you share this episode with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you are in Mumbai, I would love to see you at The Inspiring Talk Live with a very special guest on 21st of August. Check details at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash live. That is theinspiringtalk.com forward slash live. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.